Well, if we have any children today, I don't know if we do. Is, is Joanne here? Okay. That's okay. That's okay. I was going to play a game called Follow the Leader. Those of you who are old enough will remember that it was a fun game. But there were stiff and severe penalties for not following the leader. And then the one who was last in, in line, doing everything appropriately and correctly, they got to be the leader the next time because they had proven that they were able to effectively follow. So they joined the leader, the group of the leaders. Anyway, so that was the story. And I, I was going to bring in scripture, but uh, the one scripture you need to know, because it's up on the screen. First Corinthians chapter one, I mean, excuse me, chapter 11, verse one, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example that Christ set for me. Basically, he's saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. And to me, that's a scary thing. Because if I, you know, when you're in the line of the follow the leader thing, if you're number one or number two in line, you can easily see the leader and know what the leader's doing. But if you're number 27 in the line, because we used to do it when we were in school. If you're number 27 in the line because your class was 27 people long, I mean, you couldn't see what the leader was doing. You just had to trust that the people ahead of you were following the leader properly and you were following what they were doing. Well, think about that. Jesus said, follow me. But he said it to Peter and Andrew and James and John. He didn't say it to me face to face where I could physically see him and spend 24-7 with him and watch him. He gave me this. He gave me his Holy Spirit. He gave me examples to follow of people who love the Lord and are doing their best to follow Jesus. But we have to keep our eyes focused on Christ and not on any one individual because that one individual might be doing it slightly wrong. The other thing that, 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 that was the gist of what I was going to say to the kids, but it was important that you heard that for the context of what I was going to say. Um, back when I first met my wife, we, she was living in a small West Texas town called San Angelo. It was literally about the size of Fairbanks, but compared to other cities in Texas, it was very small. And, um, there was a military base there, and that's how I met my wife, because I was active duty Air Force, and um, we, I was attending the church that she attended, and we fell in love and got married. While I was stationed there, I worked as a carpenter in the organization known as the Civil Engineers. So I was in the Civil Engineering Squadron, and in the Civil Engineering Squadron, we had carpenters and masons and plumbers and electricians and sheet metal people and we all did the either minor construction of, on the base or we did maintenance and repair on the base that was our job well there was a guy who was in charge of the plumbing shop I can't to this day remember his name but I remember this story as clearly as I heard it as if it was I was hearing it yesterday this guy ran the plumbing shop for the base during his regular eight-hour day. And then at night, he had a side business where he did landscape uh, sprinkler systems. Okay, This is West Texas. It's an agricultural area or oil, sometimes both on the same property. And you could go and look out and see nothing for miles and miles and miles except scrub and mesquite. 
But if you looked at the farms or the ranches, you would see dirt or brown forever, acres and acres and acres of dirt and brown, because that's where the animals lived. And then there was this little well-kept house surrounded by a quarter acre of green, well-manicured lawn, because that farmer or rancher's wife was not about to live like the rest of the world out in this And so this woman, this friend of mine, was contracted by this woman whose husband had died and she wanted a new lawn sprinkler system put in because she was tired of having to go out there and move those hoses. And so she hired this man, my friend, and he contracted with her and it was going to cost $2,000 for him to to do the work. And that that was everything. That was parts and his labor and the whole thing. And so he did the work and then on the last day when he was finishing up, she called him into the house to have some some tea because that's what you do in West Texas. And they sat and visited while she wrote out his check. And he she handed him the check and he just folded it up, put it in his pocket, continued talking with her. And then he went home. When he got home, he reached in his pocket and pulled out the check. And the woman had written the check for $20,000. Not only did she do two zero 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 dot zero zero, but she literally wrote twenty thousand dollars in the line where it says how many dollars and cents and he went because oh, he could have cashed it because she was good for it she had that kind of money and he called her up immediately and he said ma'am i'm sorry but uh there, there's been a mistake the bill is only two thousand dollars and and you made a check out to me for twenty thousand dollars and she went, oh my goodness i'm always doing that could you just bring that check by tomorrow and i'll be glad to write you another one He's like, okay, Mama, I'll be there tomorrow evening and I'll get... Imagine, I always just write a $20,000 check when I meant to write a $2,000 check. And having the ability to actually get it cashed. That's just mind-blowing to me. And I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I've had people give me gifts, but not on that scale. I mean, can you imagine, honestly, can you imagine somebody walking up to you and saying, fill in the rest. I've signed the check, you fill in the rest. And know that you could put any amount you wanted down and it would be good. What would you write? How much would you take? They're giving you permission. How much would you take? Think, don't, don't say it out loud, but just think about it. Just think about it. what would you need or, or want that money for? How could you use that money if there was no limit to the amount that you wrote on that check? Did you know that there's a story in the Bible where God does that very thing? It's in 1 Kings chapter 3. And we're going to look at it for just a few minutes this morning. First Kings chapter 3. King David has died. King Solomon is now in place. And if you go down to chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Solomon loved the Lord and walked in the statutes of David his father, except that he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon, a high place, to sacrifice there, because there was a great high place there. 
Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that that altar. While he was at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said to Solomon, ask what I shall give you. Here's a blank check. Mm -hmm. And Solomon said, you have now this is in his dream. Not really. Came to it at night by a dream. But I happen to think he's probably awake at this point. I don't have anything to prove it, but that's how I, I picture it. I think God woke him up. He went, what? 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 And God was still present. And he said, ask anything. What do you want? And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father. Because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. You kept for him this great day and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on, on his throne even this day. So now, Lord, my God, you've made your servant, me, king in place of my father, David. And although I am but a little child, I don't know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted because of the multitude. Give me, please, an understanding mind so I can govern your people, that I can discern between good and evil, for who's able to govern this great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to Solomon, because you've asked this and have not asked for long life or for riches or for your enemies to be killed, but have asked for yourself understanding in order to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and a discerning mind so that none like you has been before and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will also lengthen your days. Solomon awoke. Oh, he was asleep. Hmm. Solomon awoke. Behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and he offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings. And he made a feast for all of his servants. I'll give you anything you want. All you have to do is ask for it. What do you want? What do I need? Mm-hmm. What do I need? I mean, really and truly, I've got all that I could possibly need. I, I can order anything. They'll bring it to me. What do, I, what do I need? I know what I need. He, he said it himself. I'm a kid. I'm young. I, I don't have experience. I don't, have to, I don't know how to do this. I need you to show me how to do this. Mm-hmm. You hear that? I need you to show me how. And God bestowed on him. It wasn't just a learned experience, but he bestowed on him the ability to discern between right and evil. And as a result, we know Solomon is listed as the wisest man that ever lived. He's, he's the one that wrote the most of the Proverbs. 
Um, he wrote uh, Ecclesiastes. He had a great impact on the life of, uh, of the people of Israel for the years that he was in charge. He messed up a lot. I mean, he, he, he truly did. We don't have time this morning to go into that. But it's this idea that, that God said anything. I give you freedom to ask for anything. What do you do? That's powerful. Now, I'm going to switch gears here and I'm totally messing up anything about exegesis. And if I was doing this at a Bible college or a seminary, they'd be marking me down for this. But this is where God took me in my own Bible study and I want to share it with you. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter, excuse me, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Paul is talking in this letter to a church specifically dealing with stuff. One of the things specifically that they're dealing with is that there is a conflict over whether or not someone who was not born Jewish but comes to faith in Jesus should have to practice Jewish ritual and tradition in order to be accepted as a true Christian. And Paul is saying, no, of course not. God met you where you were and started relationship with you there. But there were those who were arguing against that. And so Paul wrote this letter, specifically this section, to deal specifically with that discussion. The very first uh, verse in chapter 5 of Galatians is, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. God freed you from your life of sin. God freed you from your religiosity. God freed you from expectations of anybody and everybody. You walk in freedom. It's a blank check. It's literally the same as him saying to Solomon, what do you want from me? God said to you, when you came into right relationship with him and you accepted Christ as your savior and your blood, the, Christ, the blood of Christ cleansed you from all sin and the Holy Spirit of God entered you and became your counselor, leading you into all truth. The Holy Spirit whispered to you, what do you want? Because you got, you can do anything. Together we can go wherever you want. The whole purpose is we want to glorify God. We want to walk. We want to bring the truth to people. But where? What do you want to do? Oh, I feel so safe when I have rules around me, so let me stay in a little box. (laughs) So I'm not going to um, wear clothes that show my ankles, and I'm going to always keep my hair long because that's what women are supposed to do, and I'm going to be, if I'm a man, I have to keep my hair short because that's what men are supposed to do, and I'm not allowed to wear makeup because, oh my goodness, that's not what holy people do. And I can't go to the movie theater because, oh my goodness... That's how so many people live. Now, part of the Church of the Nazarene's history was that. My father-in-law became a pastor. He had grown up a Baptist. He became a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. And one of the very first things he had to deal with as a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene in northwest Oklahoma was he had to take his wedding ring off. Because we don't adorn ourselves. We're holiness people. You don't want me to advertise to the world that I'm taken so that women don't try to tempt me into relationships I shouldn't go into? It's ungodly to wear that 
public statement of my fidelity to my wife. But he had to take it off in order to... No, it was okay to wear a Rolex because you needed a watch. <laughs> but you couldn't wear a wedding ring. This is the world in which he ministered. Now, I'm not saying it to make fun of these people. I mean, there are still people... that I have a friend that, that he was being interviewed at the Bible college by one of the district superintendents for the possibility of becoming a pastor in this geographical area. I won't tell you where, because it's not appropriate for you to know that. But literally, in the middle of the interview, the district superintendent turned to my friend's wife and said, are your ears pierced? Well, yes, they are. Well, that concludes this interview. Because in that geographical area, holiness women did not adorn themselves by piercing their ears. This was 1998 or 1993. So it wasn't 700 years back. This was in the last 40 years. See, there are so many Christians that they, they have to live their lives with this set of rules because that's what mom and dad told me. Remember the story about the lady who would cut the end off of her pot roast before she put it in the pot? Why did she do that? I don't know. My mom did it. Why did mom do it? I don't know. My mom did it. I don't know. When they finally got to great grandma, she said, I don't know why they're doing it. But the reason I did it was I never had a pot big enough to put the roast in. So I had to cut the end off. But mom did it so that I have to do it. You see, it's this idea that I said about following the leader instead of following the follower. You need to know that the follower that you're following is truly following the leader. And when God said to you through the book of Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is so that you don't have to go back under rules created by humanity on how you're supposed to live your life before the world. Now, I am not saying that there are things you should or shouldn't do. That there are some very clear, clear, clear things that we are uh, we understand as basic. These are non-negotiable, and I could probably name them as like, oh, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not covet. Thou, I mean, you, you recognize those? Those are like foundational. But if I wear flannel instead of silk, who cares? If I wear purple instead of orange, who cares? Now, it may be that the culture in which I live, in order for me to minister to the gospel to somebody, I may need to adapt how I'm living my life for that purpose. Okay? For example, and I've shared this with you in the past, my wife and I are coming out of the Grange Hall after voting, and there's a person there, a reporter from the news miner, doing an exit poll. And he literally said to me, oh, I don't have to ask you. And I said, what? He said, well, I'm doing an exit poll on the bear baiting initiative that's out there. And I know that I don't have to ask you. Okay, thanks. And I got in the car and I thought to myself, he doesn't know me from Adam. In less than 30 seconds, he made a judgment about me based on what I was wearing. And so I wear flannel, plaid, jeans, Carhartts, but I do wear Crocs. <laughs> and I take so much grief for it. You would not understand. We're not going to name him, but I get yelled at every week for having a fat belly and wearing no socks and Crocs. Well, sorry. I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying. And that's my one rebellion. I'm not going to be conformed completely to the world. But, but you see, the, the thing is, when I, when I, when I accepted my call to ministry, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 22 says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I'm willing to give up my own freedom, my own liberty to do and live how I choose because my intent is to bring people to Christ. So if I'm going to be limited in any way, it needs to be for that reason. I have a blank check from my Heavenly Father to live my life however, wherever, whenever, as long as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I can't declare myself a Buddhist and think that I'm going to be in right relationship with God because that's one of the things I can't negotiate with God. I cannot covet, lie, murder, commit adultery, dishonor my, my parents, profane God's name. These are non-negotiables with God. But if I choose to shop at Fred's instead of Safeway, who cares? Now, some people do. You can't shop there. They bring in non-organic stuff. Okay. Well, that's offensive to nature. You can't do that. Okay. So when I'm with you, I won't talk about the fact that I shop there. You hear what I'm saying? You can look in Romans chapter 14 and 15 and it talks specifically about that. It also mentions it in Corinthians. But Romans 14 and 15 says there are some people who think one day is more special than another. There are other people who think all days are the same. There are some people who think that eating food that has been offered to us, uh, to us an idol is demonic and poisonous and you shouldn't do it. And there are other people who are like, I thank God for this food. It's great. I will love this food. And you should be fully convinced. This is what the scripture says. You should be fully convinced in your own heart before God. Because anyone who acts without that confidence is sinning. So there is freedom. I have a blank check. As long as I stay within God's boundaries. Living the way God wants me to live. With the intent and purpose of speaking the truth to people. Teaching them about the kingdom. Showing them the path. Being, Paul's saying, follow my example as I seek to follow Christ. One last verse I want to point you to and then we'll be done. At the bottom of the page on my Bible, I don't know where it's at in yours. First, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Hmm. Goes right back to following the leader, doesn't it? See, I can't see Jesus. I can't. He calls me and says, follow me. Yes, sir, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow your teachings. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to st- but I can't actually watch Jesus and see how he lives. Because he no longer resides here. He resides at the right hand of the throne of God. The Father. But he has given us the Spirit of God to be with us, to guide us into all truth, to show us 
how to live, to empower us for the life that we're called to live. If you go up uh, just a few verses in Galatians chapter 5, it says, don't live this way, but live this way. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Don't live greedy, selfish, carnal lives. Because that doesn't bring honor to God and it doesn't help you in any way, shape or form. And it certainly doesn't lead anybody to Christ. And so what, what Roy said earlier in his in, in singing about the songs and talking about how God was leading, this whole idea of we as Christians have got to live in such a way that we fight our battles differently. We need to be on our faces before God. We need to be prayerfully asking God, how in this situation do you want me to respond? How can I best represent the Christ in this community? How can I best point people to the truth? How can I best come alongside somebody and encourage them, but at the same time, not validate what they're doing because what they're doing is not life-giving or helpful. And it's, it's an interesting balance. And again, I don't want to follow Roy, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to follow Heidi, I want to follow Jesus. Now, I may see Jesus in them and go, wow, I see Jesus there. I want to be like that. That's okay. But always bring it back to the baseline. Always. So that you don't get slightly off skew because you're number 27 in line and you can't see number one in line. Does it make sense? God is giving you freedom. You can do anything in Christ. But you need to honor God with your life. You need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Always with the intent of not gratifying me, but trying to do what is right for God's kingdom, to bring glory to God, and to show other people the truth of the gospel. That's where we should be living and how we should be living. And that's what God spoke to me. I, I've been prayerfully trying to discern. I've been, I've been asking the Lord, Jesus, give me something to say to my community. Now, I'm not just talking about the people in this room. I'm talking about the people out there that will be life-giving and encouraging and help them to become more like you without being preachy, without being religious, and God is leading me as I'm, as I'm prayerfully studying and, and, and seeking and asking. I mean, literally, he whis- whispered these words to me. He literally whispered these words to me. One last thing and then we're done. Because this was the last thing that God spoke to me um, as I was just meditating. If you look at Philippians chapter 2. Verse 1 starts. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, 
but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he thought, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is what God whispered to me. The motivation for each one of our lives needs to be, I want to bring glory and honor to you, O God. I want to see the kingdom of God advanced. In the same way that Jesus emptied himself for your glory and for the advancement of the kingdom and for the reconciling of the human race with God, so do I want to live my life. And God whispered to me, but Bob, when Solomon asked for the right thing, got everything else to when Jesus did the right thing everything else too so remind them they're not giving up to do the right thing when they do the right thing they have a heart that's at peace with me and I give them everything anyway isn't that cool now you heard this morning There are people in this world who are serving Jesus. I'm not going to name them because I don't want that to be on my sermon. Who are going through tough times. Because there's no promise that following Jesus doesn't doesn't keep you from having tough times. But abundance can be yours. If your focus is on God. That sounds almost contradictory. But it's the truth. It's how God's economy works. But our focus cannot be, I want, so I'm going to. Our focus has to be, I don't care if I ever get another thing from God. Just being in relationship with him is enough. And I just want to honor him and serve him and love him and do what is right by him. And when that happens, he pours out blessing. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask that you would please be with us. I mean, we've asked that over and over and over again this morning, God, but... Be with us. Walk before us in such a way that we can follow your lead. Help us, God, to live our lives in such a way that people are drawn to you. We will give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.